Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I'm riding solo once more. I am the captain now as we dive into a mock draft roundup episode here on Drive Time. We'll go around the web and dive into the latest mock drafts from the foremost experts around the league, ESPN, NFL Network, wherever they are, we'll find them. We'll break down their mock drafts, the way the board falls, evaluate the picks, explore the options, and give you a better sense of what to expect Thursday night in, well, the virtual world, not Las Vegas. All of that and more on this Tuesday, April the 21st edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I want to start this episode by asking a question to the fans out there. Is it just me or has this particular draft process been the most arduous of all of them since basically forever for me? Maybe it's recency bias. I think we're all getting a little bit draft fatigued this time of year, especially with every single outlet having an opinion and seemingly different from the last. And all this speculation just to see the event play out in real time, truly in just two days. I'm sure the quarantine and shelter in place orders only serve to fuel that fire more, but man, this one just seems to have amplified times 10 compared to past draft classes. And that serves as a beautiful segue into our first mock draft from a man who only does one mock draft every year. He is the OG. And I turned on the Adam Sandler version of the Longest Yard movie the other day, which by the way, I'd like to make another mea culpa request here for forgiveness on leaving Superbad off of Jonah Hill's greatest hits list. That's my fault. That's inexcusable. And here, you all came in from Scottsdale, and I'm not going to sing for you. These eyes truly are crying in that regard. This is what happens when I write solo, guys. Tangents devolve into other topics altogether. And back to the topic here, I was watching The Longest Yard, and that movie always reminds me of this moment in my high school days. I had the sports marketing class, which was essentially 20 of the school's athletes across the major sports. And your boy was a nifty middle infielder on the baseball diamond and a solid distribution point guard on the hardwood and the teacher of this class would allow us 10 minutes of sports talk every Monday morning to recap the weekend in sports. And so naturally, I love this class, my favorite class, and the best experience of my entire high school education in terms of entertainment value. And why am I telling you all this? Because that teacher knew that I had dreams of being a sports writer from day one back in my adolescence. And on that day, we were lucky enough to screen The Longest Yard and the scene where they cut to the press box and one particular sports writer mumbles, not bad crew, as in Paul Crew, Adam Sandler's character in that film. And my teacher yells out, Wingfield, who is that? I said, man, Mr. J, that's child's play. That's Pete King. That's what I said in my head. What I really said was more of a bashful Peter King. You just don't try me on sports trivia or sports writer trivia, a lesson he learned that day. So we go back to Peter King for his mock draft, and I will dissect his mock for Miami here in just one moment. But I want to highlight a line that he wrote that I think is therapeutic. Is that the word that I want to use here? So here's the line after he ponders the decision between the two quarterbacks that he believes are in play. Quote, 
I don't know if Herbert is going to be Miami's pick. My pick is based on Miami choosing to go the conservative route instead of trying to hit a triple in the gap by picking Tua Tungavailoa because the Dolphins have done a good job hiding their intentions. I won't be shocked either way. And so that tells you a good story about how the Dolphins have done well to conceal their draft plans from the national media. I mean, Peter King is the one that knows all. This guy has insight and plugs everywhere across the league. If he doesn't know, chances are most people do not know. So with that, we get into his mock draft. He trades up from number five to three to select Justin Herbert. And I'd be curious to see the compensation on that trade going away from Miami to the Detroit Lions. Adam Schefter reported on Monday that despite some efforts from the Lions and the New York Giants, that neither has had much success generating much interest in those picks, the third and fourth picks in this year's draft. And if that's the case, there's a good chance the second quarterback on the board, if you assume Joe Burrow goes number one, could be there at number five, and a near guarantee that QB3 is on the board for you there at five. So in this case, you have a choice of anyone besides Burrow and Young, and with Herbert, that's the pick from Peter King, you have the most polished arm in this class. He can drive the ball from multiple platforms and opens up unique plays in the playbook that other guys simply cannot hit because he has the arm that really stands out among this entire draft class. And Oregon ran him out of the pistol and utilized some NFL play-action concepts from that pistol, and that way, it gets his back to the defense, it gets him a deeper drop, allows him more room to both survey the field and to deliver stepping up into the pocket or whether or not he wants to break outside the pocket and that's where he really excelled breaking the pocket and making plays off script with the big arm with the athletic ability you watch his Colorado tape he was aces doing just that throwing from the far hash outside the numbers threading tight windows down the seam that's the game you look at if you want to see Justin Herbert's absolute best I also liked the Wisconsin game a whole lot in the Rose Bowl for the way that he managed that how he made plays with his legs designed runs with more straight line speed than anything shifty in a phone booth but also so how he bounced back from a pick that just wasn't his fault in that game, that to me rates highly because you have to manage situations, you have to have the short memory, that's all part of playing quarterback, and he did that well that day in Pasadena. Pick 18, Peter King goes back to the defensive end position with A.J. Epinesa out of Iowa, and this is a player that I've been a big fan of since his freshman season at Iowa. And I hearken back to the 2017 college football season. Wyoming was on the road in Iowa for A.J. Epinesa's freshman game. I was trying to watch that game to get a good look at Josh Allen against the toughest uh, test that Cowboys offense would face that season. And Epinesa just flashed right away from the first moment. He was the first five-star recruit that program had had in several years. I forget how long it was, but he was their first five-star. He fills out that length profile. He's physically imposing as all get-out, man. He is huge. He's long. He's strong. He can rush. He can set the edge in the run game. He can condense inside and rush from that spot. He had some tapes that were just... It just looked unfair out there. You watch him against Minnesota last year, the Gophers game, plug that tape on and you'll see the best version of A.J. Epinesa. So King takes Epinesa with Christian Fulton, Justin Jefferson, two LSU Tigers, and Henry Ruggs going off the board in the next three picks. And I wonder if that might make for a potential trade situation or a trade offer that comes in with one of the three top perceived receivers on the board at pick 18. Just thinking out loud because you've got Minnesota with picks 22 and 
25 and no more Stephon Diggs. You've got the Eagles who their fan base, by the way, has been clamoring for a a game-breaking receiver, a speed receiver, kind of like they had back in Deshaun Jackson back in his heyday. And you've got New Orleans who seems to need to find one more weapon for Breeze's swan song or penultimate season this year in 2020. Some things to think about there as this board falls. And he also has a pair of offensive tackles on the board there at pick 18 with both Austin Jackson and Josh Jones. And then he comes back at 26 and takes one of those tackles. Jones goes off the board earlier, but he comes back with Austin Jackson from USC. By now, you probably know my thoughts on this player. Super athletic profile, projects to have his best ball ahead of him for that reason. He tested off the charts. He had a great interview at the scouting combine. You know the story by now about him donating bone marrow in that bone marrow transfusion surgery surgery that his sister had last offseason, which essentially robbed the entire offseason. He pretty much showed up on the start of the season without his regular offseason conditioning. So you have to imagine that his best ball could be ahead of him. And this guy is an absolute athletic freak. Yatir Gross Matos, Kenneth Murray, Isaiah Wilson came off the board next. A couple of guys to keep an eye on there. YGM for his length and ability to condense inside at defensive end. Kenneth Murray is one of the best characters in this entire draft class. His background is very unique and very cool check out his story and Isaiah Wilson the other Georgia tackle who's getting some buzz along with Andrew Thomas that a lot of folks think could come off the board in the first round like he does here for Peter King and that guy can flat out move people off the ball and reset the line of scrimmage in the running game he is physical and strong as all get out So that's Peter King's mock draft. We go next to the mock draft live on NFL Network. And this aired on Sunday night before the Michael Jordan documentary, which by the way, how great was that show? You watch the way that guy competed. That man was just created to compete. And I think that's what makes him the greatest of all time. But I do believe that LeBron is the most talented basketball player of all time. Go ahead and send your flames my way and let those flames continue into the hall of Mike Garofolo in his mock draft. No quarterback off the top, so I'm sure that gets greeted with some consternation, but you have to consider the value he got each step of the way in this draft. He starts at pick number five with Makai Becton, the left tackle out of Louisville. He's played left, he's played right. He could probably play inside at guard if you want to, although I'm not sure why you would because you have a 370-pound mountain of a man that can throw bodies around on the outside and he has quick enough feet to help himself and get into his pass sets, and then he can use that strength as he explodes once the pass rusher leans into him initially with the patient hands and the patient punch and the explosive punch that he offers. So he gets Makai Becton at pick number five, and most of these mock drafts have Joe Burrow, Chase Young going one-two. So unless I state otherwise, that's what it was. In this particular draft, Derek Brown of Auburn goes number three. Tristan Wirfs goes number four. So that leaves Miami with their pick of Tua or Herbert, but you'll hear about both those quarterbacks on other mock drafts in this exercise on this podcast. And that to me is an interesting situation with Becton, Thomas, Wills, Simmons, and Okuda all available on the board right there. We know about Becton, talked about his game. Andrew Thomas is the physical mauler that can play left tackle, did it at Georgia for a few years. I think he probably could play guard inside as well. Jedrick Wills played right tackle Alabama, and he had probably some of the best tape all year 
consistently across the offensive line. And then Isaiah Simmons, who is just an absolute freak of nature, the ultimate chess piece on your defense, a positionless defender who can play split safety, can play single high safety, can cover the slot, probably can cover out wide as a cornerback. He can play linebacker, can play Will, Sam. He can play pretty much anywhere you want on that defense. So he gives you plenty of options there as well out of Clemson. And then also Jeff Okuda, who has the best feet among pretty much any quarterback I think most draft experts have seen going back several years now. That guy can flat out play. No penalties last year, just a really clean prospect in Jeff Okuda. So all those guys on the board, Garofolo goes Mackay Becton. He then comes back at pick 18 with Justin Herbert. Now, granted, he did acknowledge on the show that he does not believe that Justin Herbert makes it that far down the board, but they were not allowed to trade in this mock draft. And I think general consensus tells you that they agree with that, that Herbert being there on the board at 18 seems unlikely because somebody probably pulls a trigger and goes up on a trade for Herbert in this particular scenario where the quarterbacks get out of the top 10. Someone else could view that as an opportunity to go up and trade up and get their quarterback in that spot. But we already broke down Herbert as the third pick in Peter King's mock. So getting him at 18 is obviously tremendous value. Trayvon Diggs, AJ Terrell, Patrick Queen, and Yatir Gross models all come off the board after that. Some positions that Miami were very active with in free agency. Then at 26, Garofolo comes back and gets the Michigan center in Cesar Ruiz. So he knocks out the offensive line portion of this class pretty much out of the park because Ruiz is a damn fine center to go along with Makai Becton. Ruiz is smart, tough, good communicator, and so, so young. He'll be just 21 years old on opening day, and his tape is full of good execution and a pure will to get the block done regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the ask from the coaching staff. I really like this player a whole lot. He took Ruiz with Jackson, Epinesa, and Isaiah Wilson on the board. And these mocks give you an idea of how so many seem to be split on how this draft could go. We are certainly in for a treat on Thursday night, which by the way, if you haven't done so already, go ahead and sign up for the Miami Dolphins virtual draft on Facebook. We'll have you covered on all things Dolphins draft, all things NFL draft on the Dolphins Facebook page, pregame show at 7.30. The draft, of course, kicks off at 8 o'clock. Let's talk about Charles Davis's mock draft, who I think is the most underrated analyst and color commentator in the business, although perhaps the commentator spot is miscast now because he's been promoted to CBS's number two team with IN Eagle for the secondary game on CBS behind Tony Romo and Jim Nance. So good for Charles Davis and congrats on that promotion, Mr. Davis. At five, he goes with Tua Tungavailoa with both he and Justin Herbert on the board. He has Simmons and Okuda going 3-4. So here you've got Derek Brown who is not mocked to the Dolphins in any of these drafts, but you want to talk about an unblockable force, turn on the Auburn defensive tape and watch number five and how many blockers and how many bodies he commands in the middle of that Auburn defense. He has the power and the explosive combination that just makes for such a special player on the inside, can rush the passer, defend the run, and really commands attention from the entire offensive line. So he goes, or he's on the board there, I should say, and each of those four tackles are available in that spot as well with Becton, Wirfs, Wills, and Thomas, and who he all has going off the board in the 8-14 to range. He comes back at pick number 18 with Austin Jackson, We already broke down his game and Ross Blacklock, Trevon Diggs, and T. Higgins come off the board after that pick of Austin Jackson. Then he comes back at pick 26 with DeAndre Swift, the first running back off the board here out of Georgia. 
And what you see with DeAndre Swift's game is suddenness, explosiveness, and a versatility to play all three downs. He's not afraid to stick his face in the fan and pass protection. Very smooth operator when it comes to transitioning from pass catcher into runner after the catch. He can get upfield in a hurry. A quick one-cut slasher type of runner that can make some big-time plays, has the breakaway speed, has the home run ability, but also tough and physical between the tackles. Davis in this spot had Yatir Gross Matos, Kenneth Murray, and Josh Jones as the next three picks off the board there. Mel Kuyper Jr., the absolute OG of draft coverage. I remember getting his blue books back in the day, and I'm always reminded of a joke a buddy told me one year about a potential surprise Dolphins pick. It might have been Brady Quinn over Ted Ginn, but he said, I want to see the Dolphins pick player X just so we can watch Kuyper's hair fall out and then immediately reform on his head. Hey man, I'd kill to have that head of hair at Kuyper's current age. The hair still looks flawless. Kuyper in his mock drafts goes two rounds and at five he goes Justin Herbert with the exact same board we talked about for Charles Davis's mock draft so no need to divulge there. He goes Herbert over Tua where Davis goes Tua over Herbert. At pick number 18 a player we haven't talked about much Javon Kinlaw and boy if he's on the board there. This is a guy projected to go top 10 by most pundits across the league. The draft network ESPN NFL.com. They think Kinlaw's a top 10 player all day long and if he's there at pick 18 that's That's a tough option to pass up. This guy is an absolute monster, explosive, can reset the line of scrimmage in a hurry and does it over and over again, sets a tone on your defensive line because he plays multiple positions and can pretty much run anybody over that he wants, functional strength at the next level, can play the pass, can play the run, can cross face and run games up front, can convert speed to power. You watch some of his tapes, the Clemson tape, for instance, playing against one of the best teams in the country. He made a number of impact plays in that game alone. Pick 26, Kuiper comes back with Antoine Winfield Jr. And this safety can do everything out of Minnesota. Antoine Winfield Sr.'s son, Antoine Winfield Jr., he can play the split safety, the deep safety, and single high coverage. He can come down in the box. He blitzes. Anytime you watch Minnesota's big games last year, when they had to have a play on defense, it was Antoine Winfield who made it. The big takeaways, rushing the quarterback, running through a running back in pass protection, defending the C-gaps on either side, strong side or weak side in the run game. He's a lot of fun to watch. The next three picks were Cesar Ruiz, Patrick Queen, and again, Yatir Gross Matos. And I don't have ESPN+, Plus, so I cannot get you those second round picks. Up next here on our expert mock draft roundup is NFL Network's Peter Schrager, who, by the way, joins the Drive Time podcast on Thursday. So keep your ears to the ground for that final draft preview episode here on the Drive Time podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins podcast network. At number five, Schrager goes Herbert over Tua. And the first of our mock draft roundup here that has Josh Jones at pick number 18. I really like the game of Josh Jones out of Houston. He's an excellent left tackle prospect, played there almost exclusively at Houston. Really good looking pass blocker. He had great improvement throughout the week at the Senior Bowl. And that shows you how coachable and how adaptable he is and how he can improve his game with a little bit of coaching. Typewriter feet. I love that note about this guy. It helps him get into the vertical sets. It helps him win the edge in the run game or in the pass game helps him climb to the second level as a run blocker to wall off and seal off those alleys he can get in space this guy's a good looking player getting him at 18 would be good 
26. Even better, obviously. He's got Murray, Chason, and Patrick Queen off the board next. Chason's the one guy in that group we haven't talked about a whole lot. He can do multiple things as a two-point stance linebacker off the football. He can come down off the edge and get in that two-point stance or go three, four-point stance, rush the quarterback, has a very strong upper body that helps him lock out the edge and diagnose from there. He can play coverage. He can rush the quarterback. And the thing you like most about him is that Chason looked super explosive last year, one year removed from ACL surgery. So you have to think that he gets even better this coming season, his rookie year in the National Football League. Not that he goes off the board in this mock draft, but he was the next pick after that for Peter Schrager. Then at pick number 26, Schrager comes back and takes DeAndre Swift. We broke down his game in the mock draft of Charles Davis. Again, Yatir Grossmatos, the next pick. AJ Epinesa and Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia. And finally, how about the GOAT of the game? Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network's lead draft analyst. His last mock was April 9th, so we don't want to go into that one. But he did chat with the venerable Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, and he gave Barry his ideal Dolphins draft, and it goes like this. Off the top, number five, Tua Tungavailoa. We talk about Tua's game a lot here on this podcast, as we do all the quarterbacks. I just continue to watch the way he can handle the football in the RPO game, the short, quick game, distributes the football to the open man, the way he processes, the way he moves people with his eyes, with his feet, with his lower half position, the way he can convince linebackers and safeties to take the cheese and get them off their spot and then attack accordingly. He fed all four of those Alabama receivers last year, Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy kept them all fed, kept them all happy. That's not easy to do. He can make plays off script. He can manage the pocket very, very well. Erases free rushers. Very good ball handler in his fakes, his handoffs, the way he can kind of put the ball to one side to fake out a free rusher, move back the other way, reset, and throw a strike over the middle, down the field, to the outside. He really can do a lot of things for your offense and keeps multiple things open. Very good leader of men as well. As you hear Trent Dilfer, Kirk Herbstreet, Nick Saban, pretty much anyone that has an opinion about this player says how much his spirit and character means to that Alabama football program the last couple of years in Tuscaloosa. Pick number 18 for Jeremiah, ideally, is Henry Ruggs, Tua's running mate there at wide receiver, who took several of those slant routes to the house. We talked about on the draft preview way back, I think at the scouting combine, how Ruggs had 24 touchdowns on 100 career touches at Alabama. He is instant offense, ran a 4-2-8-40, can take the top off the defense, can run routes from any split on the field, plus split, minus split, nasty split, condensed inside, can play the slot, can play the X, can play the Z, pretty much does everything as a receiver, and he's not a one-trick pony by any stretch of the imagination. He's a good-looking route runner. Pick 26 in Jeremiah's ideal mock for the Miami Dolphins is Austin Jackson. We broke his game down, the athletic profile, figures to have a lot more growth in his game because of the fact he didn't have an offseason last year ahead of USC's 2019 season. Super young player too, going to be 21 years on opening day. Then at pick number 39, he has Marlon Davidson from Auburn, a player we haven't talked about a whole lot, but you watch the way Davidson had a very good senior bowl week and a reason for that was because he can rush both inside and outside and he can cross face and he can win with speed and he can win with power. That Auburn defensive line just bullied teams last year and Derek Brown was was a big reason for that, but also Marlon Davidson, the outside edge rusher and possible defensive tackle, depending on your defensive alignment. Davidson can do multiple things up front. The ideal pick for Jeremiah at 39. At 56, he goes back to the offensive line and gets Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU. The angles he takes in the running game, the leadership, wore the 18 jersey at LSU, a distinction given to the top captain on the offensive and defensive side 
of the football for the way he exudes leadership both on and off the field. This guy can anchor and pass pro, kind of low center of gravity, so he can really squat and anchor that thing against power rushes, has the side-to-side agility to handle the stunt game, the twist game up front, and lateral agility of defensive linemen. So good-looking draft here for Jeremiah, Tua Tungavailoa, Henry Ruggs, Austin Jackson, Marlon Davidson, and Lloyd Cushenberry. And that was a fun podcast. That's going to be it for this podcast. We're going to come back with you guys on Thursday with Peter Schrager of NFL Network to get last-minute updates on the 2020 NFL Draft. We are just two days away. We have the pre-draft show on Facebook at 7.30 Eastern Thursday night, then the virtual draft at 5 o'clock. We're going to have a podcast every single night of the draft. Immediately after the draft on Thursday, we're going to have the in-depth exploration of the film, the character, the articles up on MiamiDolphins.com. We're going to have bang, 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 three of those all in one podcast. Then Friday morning, we'll go ahead and publish a podcast that interviews each of the Dolphins' picks. If there are three, if there's two, maybe there's four. However many picks we make on draft night, we're going to interview each of those guys. So those podcasts come out the following morning. So you're going to have two podcasts per day. That's six podcasts for the Miami Dolphins 2020 NFL Draft. Do not miss those. I also answered some of your questions on the mailbag in an article that I think is publishing tomorrow on Wednesday. And we'll have the write-ups on the website after each player is drafted as well. Plenty of content to come. It's an exciting time of year. NFL Draft Week is here. And as for today's episode, that is going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible podcast. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.